The flogcast may occasionally contain explicit content that makes it not safe for work or for minors. It also doesn't provide an excuse to use the same words on Bay 13. Normal Bigfooty rules still apply. So this is the vlogcast for round 16. The emotionally checked out Tiger Starburns is here and I'm joined by Mr. Moral Victory from St Kilda Cookson. Hello. Proud player sponsor of James H from Collingwood Morgan Ashley. Hello. And the brains behind all of Hawthorne's amazingly fabulous Clash Guernsey's penal. Bye rounds are over. Everyone's played 15 games. 14 games, sorry. And Hawthorne are on top of the ladder. It's good to be the best. We'll begin with Goo and Tears, as we always do. And who wants to go first? I'll go. I have Goo. Goo? Not for football, like, fuck football, but Game (laughs) of Thrones Goo. I mean, the last two episodes of the current season were as good as you'll ever see, and yeah, just very good TV, and probably shouldn't say any spoilers, but... Yeah, no, don't be a book reader. It's fucking brilliant TV, would recommend watching them. I thought it was really good, but I was just really disappointed by all the teleportations, the characters teleporting all over the place, and the plot holes, and that I thought those were really disappointing. But otherwise, it was a really good series, yeah. Bring back Gendry already, get him stopped rowing. Who wants to go next? I got tears. And my tears are for Andrew Embley. I know it's been a big week for the West Coast Eagles celebrating their 10-year premiership reunion and celebrating no one being arrested or dying this week. Congratulations. (laughs) But he has decided he would celebrate in a different manner and release a rap song. No. Uh, So I'll I'll, uh, just... For, you know, something special. I'll share it with you guys. Here we go. Shield your ears. Yep. Everybody and listen to me. Ten years ago today, we were back at the G. 2005, the Swans were winning. Cause he would say it's not the end. It's just the beginning. Listen to the Fuck. guy. He was smart. Precision in November is when we'd start. Yes, sir. Yes, is how we train. You're only as good as your last game. It goes on for another four minutes. And this just did breaking news. The UN has added listening to that song to the official internationally prohibited methods of torture right below waterboarding. I apologize. I'm pretty sure I just could be charged with a war crime for what I've just done. You're going to Gitmo. I'm sorry. I'm really, really sorry, but I couldn't be the only person that listened to that. 
<laughs> How did you even find it? That's another question. Do you want some more? Train so hard, always get better. The hunger within us, stronger than ever. Start of the season, tipped our wing by round 10. Again, to catch me where the comeback kings. We're gathering pace, it's the finals race. So come on, everybody, and place your bets, Chris Judge. Johnny! He's as good as you get. But the sport came over and won away. We will now have to do it the harder way. We got over the dogs and then the crows, led by two brown lows. Here's our chance to be back at the big dance, and this is how the game would go. You may think it can't get worse than this, but he's about to commentate in a rap. And right from the start, the Eagle boys are playing with heart. The ball goes forward, the pack goes crash. First blood to the Eagles with a goal to Big Ash. Beats of guys are lucky to eventually miss, like Jamie Graham and Nikoski, Rosa, Hearn, Sandy and Chris. And then there was, ooh, ah, Mark McCrum. He often went too far. Get the job done, singer! Mark McCrum's not the only one who went too far in this, you fuck. Can we bolt that up? Like, Indiana Jones lost Ark style and put it the fuck away. It takes a fair effort to make Warwick Kappa and Mark Jackson look tolerable. That makes Angry Anderson look like fucking Prince. <laughs> Holy shit. I would rather Meatloaf back at the grand final than fucking Emily rapping. I would want released... One Direction video. <laughs> at least I... they didn't write themselves. Like, this was released on the 3rd of July, and in the article it said... Emily said the idea came to him in a flash of inspiration. Sitting around on Christmas Day, I came up with a little song, and basically before I knew it, I'd written down some lyrics to celebrate the reunion. In June, fucking, if that's what your Christmas Day brings, oh, I fucking pity you. <laughs> it was about putting together a rap and incorporating all the things that happened on Grand Final Day and hopefully having something to present to the boys. Oh, God. Why didn't you just go with drugs? <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, he probably was on something when he wrote that. Yes. I think the West Coast culture is alive and well. That's almost like an apology rap. He, he snorted all the drugs and he said, sorry, guys, there's none left. But hey, here's what it did. I'm half expecting Will Smith to burst in through my window. Like, that's, <laughs> was anyone that's else what thinking I... Will Smith listening to that? Like the Will Smith, like, tame fucking G-rated rap? Yeah. In the video, because it's a video, he's walking around like a footy oval with a ball in his hand, and he's wearing black jeans and black shoes and just a hoodie. But he's just so white. He obviously took it pretty seriously, but this is one of those fucking, like, cancer music remixes that you'd expect to see on those weird parts of YouTube with all the Japanese videos and stuff, so... Like that Indian thriller. Yes. (laughs) I I need to purge this from my brain. I don't think we're ever going to top war crimes as the most apt description for that. (laughs) That being said, that rap is still better than West Coast theme song, as well as... (laughs) Frios and ports too. Whilst we're at it, I'm hoping uh, that they use that next week for their theme song. No, they should. They should play it before the game, like uh, oh, never tear up our tarps. See <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> fat Daniel <laughs> fucking bopping around. You'd have to hold up their scarves. You'd see all their track marks. So maybe not. But they wouldn't hold up scarves. They'd hold up their SGIO sign. <laughs> oh, the messages on hold ones. Yeah, that's that's quick, what they've got. I think we've said everything we can on that. Penal, do you want to go next? Um, yeah, I guess I'll um. 
Jeez, it's hard to top that, is it? But um, yeah. I guess I'll go all somber and have some fucking tears for the election, just because, you know, as of recording this episode, got no idea, you know, where Australia's going to go, kind of in limbo a bit while we wait for results and might be a hung parliament. And I just delight in the irony that um, after promising so much stability and, you know, needing a mandate that we're fucking even worse positioned than what where we started in. So in short, Australia's all fucked. I'm moving to Iceland. I do love a well-hung problem. I'll add some further disappointment to that. This is just actually comes back to how long we've been doing this show that we were on last time there was a federal election. And I'll come back to the point I made at the time then. Opened up the Senate ballot paper. 116 names again. Fantastic. Wait, where's Jack Watts? Why, why can I not <laughs> vote for Jack Watts? Again, still, he 20 and 3 on the weekend. It's about time, you know, fucking Pauline Hanson's allowed to get in. And I'd love to know what Heretia Lumumba thinks of that because he's got an opinion on everything. I think he's still in mourning. <laughs> but no, I, I'm really disappointed that still we can't vote for Jack Watts. Votes for Jack Watts need to be counted. Maybe they'll be counted on Tuesday with the postal votes. But seriously, I've got, other than my Andrew Embley tears, I think I've got tears for Australia and for the rednecks in Queensland who decided it was a good idea to vote for Pauline. This fucking Queenslanders do this every election. It was Pauline the first time, then it was Clive Palmer, and now it's Pauline again. Always, guys, but I know that it's hot and it kind of does get to your brain a bit. But are you fucking morons? <laughs> yes, she, they are. She doesn't even like halal snack packs, and that's like fucking peak she stupidity. Does, Neither does, does Eddie, he, apparently. Well, he likes falafel. Oh, look at him. He's had a falafel or two. Eddie's tried everything on the menu. I'm not trying to come out in defense of Pauline Hansen here. Like, she's obviously a nutter, but at least you know what she kind of stands for. I don't know what the fuck the main two parties stand for anymore. Winning, I think. Germs. Yeah, it's just... Oh. But they've become, <laughs> Except they're not very good at it. So dominated by this kind of factional infighting, like how Turnbull's, like, a slave to the right wing and shortened to, you know, these different factions within Labour. Like, fucking, you know, who are you? What do you believe in? I think the most important question, and this is coming back once again, vlogcast history, back to our Brownlow night discussions, was good enough good enough? He was good enough. I think he won with about uh, 61% of the vote, so obviously... Uh, 61 is good enough. Yeah, very very safe Liberal seat here in WA, as uh, most of them are. So, yeah, I think uh, that count my postal vote uh, on next week and then it'll be even bigger margin i guess <laughs> my vote is so important in this very safe seat anything else on the election tears my shopping trolley murdered my groceries just gone i don't like it that song still has more musical value than andrew embley's rap <laughs> penal kind of stole my tears so tears it's really tempting to go damien harwick i've promised not to do that too often and we'll come to him later at the question so i'm going to have tears for ty vickery because i don't think that's happened yet this season and he's been asking for it for a good six weeks john ralph took over robbo's tackle column which was as a cult of robbo devotee i was shocked by you know what's this false deity dishing out the weekly commandments but he did make a reasonable point when he was hanging crap on Ty Vickery. On the weekend, he surpassed Brendan Goddard as the number one pointer in the AFL, and his antics were childish, really. He needs to fuck off, Jose. Maybe to Fremantle, but time for McBean, and yeah, that was pathetic. 
and he needs some tears. Time to flick the bean. Yes. Let's get into the important stuff, and we'll begin with the recaps. There are only two games, I think, that mattered this week, and we'll begin with what was Match of the Round and delivered on Match of the Round. It was a fantastic game of football. I like how this year we're getting a few stinkers, but we're getting at least one gem a week. We haven't had a week without a really good game that I can recall, and this week it was the Colas versus the Bathwater in the Beverage of Your Choice game, and we're drinking Bathwater this week. Filthy, disgusting Bathwater. No, we are not. Well, you might not be, but um, everyone else is, because the dogs came out on top, thanks to Johannesson in his return game, and little Caleb Daniel, who spotted Bont up, but look, it was a good game. That was a good pass, and a good finish under pressure. Yeah. Very impressive from some of those young pups to keep a mature head under the pressure of a tight game. It was it was a, it was a pretty high standard contested game. Skill errors weren't like they weren't bad skill errors like say um, later that night. Yeah, when when there were skill errors, like particularly from the dogs, it's because it was because there was a lot of pressure and they were trying to take the game on. Yeah, it's yeah. almost like the tennis analogy of unforced errors. These weren't unforced errors. These were the kind you make because it's difficult to execute when a game is played at that intensity. And it was a really good game. And I got wonder now after the doggies game and the Richmond game, are Sydney a little bit mentally fragile in tight games? I'd say so. They just are not very calm in tight games. They just don't do the right things, which is flood back, get the ball, be boring, which is... Which, which is the Sydney way. <laughs> yeah. They've gone away from what made them, you know, a good team, you know, 2012 and a couple of years after that. Buddy's just ruined them. Like, they kicked five, but I said earlier in the year, like, they are too buddy conscious and it will cost them games. And I don't know, maybe they get a, a sort of an out because Tippett's injured and he's sort of the... He could be the other rocking. real focal point for it. Yeah, but he can at least go forward and take a mark. Like, where is the threat in um, Sydney's forward line if... Buddy's not on the ground, or Buddy isn't firing, or Buddy's inaccurate. Like, their second best forward is Heaney, and you can't rely on a 19-year-old who is going to drift in and out of games and have down weeks. You can't rely on that to be, like, your second best forward come finals. You need the much more even spread than what they've got. You do need an even spread of goal kickers. Like, uh, for example, they kicked 11 goals and Buddy kicked 5. And 13 behinds, too, also very crap. Oh, so you're saying the dogs were lucky? No, 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 no. No, kicking's good football bad kicking's bad football you're only lucky if you've got the umpires on your side and you're lucky if your Hawthorne and the dogs play out of their skin to beat Sydney and keep you on top of the ladder that's pretty lucky I'd say dogs didn't play out of their skin Sydney just aren't that good they're not good enough yeah so what's their like the goal kickings for the season like they've got Buddy on 52 leading the Coleman and the next is Heaney on I think 19 or 20 and that's barely over a goal that's a game. not flag material that's, that's like us that's like us with rewrote pretty much I'm just having a look because I, I had a thought and I've had a look at the Crows spread a goal kick because they kicked 18 goals against Melbourne at the weekend, but they had nine individual goal kickers, but one, two, three, four, five, six of them kicked multiples, and Walker, at Douglas, and Betts got three apiece. So that's a, that's an even spread of goal kickers, and Hawthorne didn't play this week, but they're renowned for the even spread of goal kickers, whereas West Coast are very reliant on Kennedy, and last year they got goals out of... Who was the other one they got goals out of? Quite a few. Might have been Lacroix. Oh, yeah, Lacroix and Darling. You know, so when you've only got one avenue to goal, if you shut it down, you do start to struggle a bit, and the Coles are going to have to address that yeah so let's let's take a look at the stats between like i guess the teams that are kind of contending this year players above 20 goals for the season adelaide four geelong four hawthorne five doggies 
one. Mm, oh dear. I was say, dogs probably aren't high. North probably have three at least. North four and Sydney one. What about the Giants? Giants would have about four. That is Stevie J, Toby Green, Jeremy Cameron. Uh, they've got three and uh, Scully's just off, I think, okay. in about 18. So, yeah, good spread. Mm. And Sydney and the dogs probably don't have that kind of same ability, which you need that in finals. Yeah, and that was evident in this game because neither of them could really, when it was tight in that last quarter, neither could deliver a killer blow. When the dogs got three goals up, they couldn't get that last one. They couldn't get that real cheap goal, the one where you'd do just by being better, and the Swans couldn't, once they got back in front, put it away. Yeah, like the Swans could have maybe put them away in the first half. They had the better of general play but they just didn't have the sort of structure up forward to take advantage of that. It was just buddy or nothing. One thing I really do want to talk about, because it's kind of a favourite subject of mine, or a favourite player to take the piss out of, of mine. The second last goal the Dogs kicked, which was early in the last to put him 17 points up, Dan Hanabry. The free kick's given away and he kicked the ball to the umpire and then had a sook. What the fuck was Grimace yep. doing? Well, yes, uh, obviously the... I don't know. If, I mean, his kicking's that bad in general play normally, so maybe he tried to kick it to Minson and just fucking shanked it. But yeah, and then he fucking tries to have a sook about to the umpire about it and then he's fucking grimacing while he's doing it. It's like... <laughs> he was looking like the umpire, you know, poking him in the stump or something. Like he was, well, yeah, he yeah. was getting the, he he was getting the sooks. He didn't, sooks he didn't think that was uh, the correct decision, but um, I think you'll find that that was probably the easiest call the umpire had to make all day. Yeah, exactly. I don't know what he was crying about. Like, if you can't hit the target by foot from 10 metres, Hannah's, you better fucking throw it back to him. I did love how they booed that, the Coles crowd. you got to love a crowd that doesn't know one of the most simple rules to adjudicate ever, one that actually helped win them a premiership not only four years ago in a much more controversial manner um, with the Samuel McVay. Oh, don't yeah. remind me. Fuck. That one was borderline. Like, shouldn't pay that one in a grand final because he made the most of it. Yeah, he did. But that was a borderline call and yet it helped him win a flag. But hey, Hanabry does it against the dogs and it's reason to cry. M- like, most of the fucking Swan supporters in the crowd, let's face it, they probably only signed up as members after that fucking grand final win. So wouldn't expect them to remember. <laughs> No, they signed up after Buddy got recruited. They're there just to watch Buddy. Anything else on that game? Morgs has been awfully quiet. Are you silent out of protest of the dogs winning? I couldn't give a fuck about them winning. This game did not matter to me. Oh, <laughs> this game mattered to the eight, so it matters to the context of the well, season. There you go. My team's not in the eight, so it didn't fucking matter to me. <laughs> it did keep us a game clear on top, so thanks, dogs. Oh, oh. I love backfire. That was good. <laughs> Sydney go top day. <laughs> See, yeah. I don't know why people do shit like that. Sydney always more bigger fans of the bottom than the top. So, especially when you're when you're a club that is generally not liked by anyone. Mm. You know, not not that there are clubs liked by people, but there are clubs that certainly attract more negativity than others. And it, you know, Carlton, Essendon, Sydney, they get it. You know, because there's the cheating element, Hawthorne these days as well. Nobody wants to see you succeed. Fuck off. It's basically, your club gets coal and nobody likes you. You stole players from traditional clubs. You're a franchise, but you're trying to pretend you're not. You have not earned a single thing. You're like the northern Port Adelaide, really. South Melbourne, you sold your soul. Only other thing I think that's relevant out of that game, did we all catch the Doggies banner? Absolute yes. winner. Yeah. That was the only thing that I ever give them credit for, their banners. What a great <laughs> banner. Very funny. I wish more teams played along with this. Like, it would be much better. And it's funny because they did win too. That, that made it even better because their thing was right. So we'll win this game and party till late or at least till all your pubs close at the date. <laughs> Swans probably won't banter <laughs> with them because they're still sulking over the Harbour Bridge one from a couple of years ago. <laughs> NL fuck. 
I wish they had have gone with the bridge again. <laughs> like, just, just another chair with the bridge. <laughs> the Westgate Bridge is still bigger. For <laughs> <laughs> your club's history, maybe more celebrated, but ours is longer, just like the bridge. <laughs> it was a great banner, and the timing was fantastic, considering the Tom Boyd thing, which we will come to later. That had a rather <laughs> ironic tinge. But yeah, I do wish more teams went along with it. Although, you got to really have someone who's quite funny to do it, you know. Because I think I saw, might have been HBF actually mentioned it on one of the boards that, you know, he'd like Carlton to do it, but they'd probably get Dave Hughes. So, you know. Carlton's going to be yeah. So, yeah. I think we got to appreciate those banners as they go. Fantastic banner. Probably the best one I reckon they've done. No, the bridge. They do seem to save their best for Sydney, but hurt Sydney siders. Let's go to Crows versus Melbourne, which was actually the other cracker of a game. Not quite as contested and hard and, you know, hugely high standard. It ebbed and flowed a bit more, but it was high scoring. The goals came in bursts, which was a lot different, but anything out of that game? It was a pretty good game. X's. X's doing the Yes, job. the X's. Welcome back, Jeffy. Kicked four. Wasn't enough to get Melbourne across the line. Eddie got three, which was also good. And, yeah, and the Crows had that spread of goal kickers. Yeah. yeah. Always good for them, I guess. Their credentials to notch up a win on the road. Can't probably say too much about this game. Probably went as expected. Melbourne put up probably more of a fight than most expected, I reckon. Both teams, I reckon, would look at that game and see plenty of positives. So, But mm. overall, in the context of the year, like the results, probably just as expected. Top side beating a bottom side won't change too much in terms of you know shaping the ladder, but good positives for both sides. I really like the way that Adelaide play football. Yes, I agree. Would you say they play sexy football? <laughs> I would say they play quite sexy football. I think like, they don't have many players who get on your skin in the way. Like, they're not dislikable when you watch them. They're inoffensive, but they look to watch. They play good, solid attacking football, and I enjoy it. They play with a bit of flair, too, actually. Yeah, they've got a good balanced side. Like, you've got the inside grunt of uh, Thompson and Sloan, and then you've got a couple of uh, good ball users, like Seedsman and Brody Smith coming out of the back half, and then, yeah, up front, you've got all the talent in the forward line with Tex, Eddie, and the rest of the gang. Just watching it, some of the goals Tex kicked at the weekend. Like, he's a beautiful kick of the football when he just goes back and unloads. It reminds me of Fev. It's just this action that's just so simple but there's this, this power and it's dead straight and it, he's got this swagger about how he just rocks back and kicks it. I don't know. I like watching Tex kick a long range shot at goal. There's just something effortless about it. Again, what Borg said, they're all just good footballs. Like, you want to see Tex play because he just plays so well and well, Rory Sloan's probably the most well-liked player in the league. Yeah. Yeah. A, oh, he's no yeah, Luke Hodge. Well, I've, I've, I've got a uh, little bit of a man crush on, uh, on Rory. I just love the way he goes about it and uh, imagine him and <laughs> Luke Hodge in the same side. Good blokes all around. I eh? did have a bit of a laugh every time that Bernie and Tex were in the same area. And I think Bernie gave a free kick to Tex and then like they wrestled on the ground for like 20 seconds and they wouldn't let each other up. Sure they were wrestling? Yeah, no, I think they were playing hard the sausage really. But like, I just, I like the bit of banter between the two and I don't know. They don't have that with Danger because Danger's not, I, I don't like him that much. 
But yeah, it was cool. But they are a likable side and they are good to watch. And I, if you don't like Rory Sloan, I've got to ask why. Like, there's nothing unlikable about him. He's like that reverse fucking Hamish McLaughlin in that everything he does <laughs> is just lovely. He would heal a dog, not run one over. Exactly. Oh, like, he I th- to go out with. Like, he's I think such a good bloke. In that Australia's Best Rory thread, someone posted, like, the Rory hotline. And it's like when someone talks about Rory Sloan, I've just got, kind of got that dreamy look on my face, you know, when when Lisa's on the phone and, uh, you know, just allegory. <laughs> Listening to, to his voice, ah, right? oh, just he's gorgeous. Can't think of another word. Everyone remembers that footage of him with Julian De Stoop when he got fresh aired for the handshake. We all seen that. He took it like a champ on live TV. He goes to give the handshake to De Stoop, the reporter, and he just turns to the camera and keeps going. And Rory's just rather embarrassedly has to put his hand down to his side and laughs it off. You know, that's that's the charisma Hamish McLaughlin just does not have. But I think we've gooed a bit over Rory. Fucking port supporters, we fucking mash on the OP of the Flockcast straight after this. <laughs> we'll call this week's episode the Rory Sloan Feel Good Lounge <laughs> after the threat. <laughs> oh, that's awkward. What's awkward? I just watched the Rory Sloan video. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. I love it. You know, there would be some people who would almost scowl, I reckon, at that. He kind of just hit yeah. himself in the stomach and walked away. <laughs> Nothing else on that game? No, good game of football. Jack Watts 20 and 3. Congrats, Jack. You've arrived. I'm a footballer. It's really fucking strange, but yeah, it's taken a change in Melbourne's culture to effectively change Watts. I think he fired up after being left off the fucking ballot paper, though. But yeah. Did anyone see Eddie's effort? The gimme opportunity tried to kick off the ground, uh, trickled away. Yeah, I imagine Jason Dunstall would have had a few choice words to say about that. Turn off the Euros, Eddie. Pick the ball up. But yeah, they're a good side to watch the Crows. And... Yeah, just on there, I guess their flag chances. I reckon they've got all the pieces of the puzzle. They just need to try and fit together to beat the best sides in September. It'll be interesting to see how that midfield goes in September because they got the forward line and they've got the back line. They're pretty strong. Jacobs is a capable ruckman. It's just, can the other ones step up to help Sloan and Thompson actually win a contested midfield battle against the likes of a Sydney or, you know, some of those other really good contested ball teams that are in the top echelon? I guess we'll find out later. Nothing else? We haven't said much about Melbourne or anyone but Rory Sloan. That's how I like it. You should Google, Google Jiggle into Stoop. Oh, he's got some cracking ones. He's got the ones with Paddy Mills and one when he sneezes. The one where he sneezes makes me not so right. Yeah, he has some cracking fuck-ups on his part or awkward television moments. He's still got more charisma than Hamish McLaughlin, though. To the games that don't matter. We'll begin with, well, season's finally over for Richmond. Hardwick's finally... Well, he didn't actually concede the season was over. He said we don't deserve to play finals. Which, you know, call me a cynic, but that almost sounds like his attempt to motivate the players into going on another nine-game streak or eight-game streak. This is how he coaches. But we don't deserve to play finals, and he doesn't deserve to keep his job. Well, I think that statement is like a bit of trying to save face, trying to keep his job, almost like, I don't know, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but he's like trying to deflect lame and stuff like that. I just don't get it. Like, this infuriates me every fucking week. that He always finds something stupid to say in his fucking presser, and this one takes the cake. It's taken him until 6-8 and eight to go, we don't deserve to play finals. It's just like, there was one game in there against the Swans that papered over the cracks, but they were still there, and he doesn't do anything about it. The port were good when they needed to be. Their midfield skied a little bit. We weren't doing anything at the clearances. So it's hard to read on how Port play. 
played, but it was a very disappointing game. And I guess the frustration stems from, you know, couldn't win a clearance, couldn't get it up forward. Deledio's sitting on the forward flank and you can't get any drive out of the back line. You don't make a change for a quarter and a half to put a guy who actually can use it and break lines and put him down back to change momentum. But he never, ever changes. So, I don't know. you got to stop me when I go on a Hardwick rant, guys. It's... Yeah, I was about to. <laughs> that second quarter where Port got uh, on top and about, I think, six goals in a row, that was sort of reminiscent of some of their best footy from 2014 there. Admittedly, not against a great side, but, you know, there's showing glimpses. Their clearance work was good. Yeah, it was more about the pressure, really, in that second quarter. That's what I kind of took away from that. They really brought the heat, and I think they had about 110 tackles for the night, which, um, yeah, clearly up for the contest, and they brought that same maniacal pressure that they did in a couple of years ago when they were top four. Yeah, Paul were good. Richmond, well, they looked like they were coached by a complete spanner. Richmond were Richmond. And I don't want to preempt too much of this because it will come in the questions that's been asked, but the narrative's actually shitting me on this about the media's almost defensive of Hardwick and blaming the list, and there are some significant holes, and they never should have gone after Yaron, and hashtag Starburns was right there, but it frustrates me that Hardwick seems to get a pass and the list gets blamed, but Buckley ends up with the blame. It's very, very similar situations. <laughs> Buckley ends up with the blame. It's about John Ralph said that Richmond should offer Hyde five-year deal. Oh, you um, see, this is what yeah, I mean. It, it's like it, you're it, defending it, the fucking, fucking idiot who can't coach, but on the other hand you've got a guy who's doing the same thing well david king has spoken and everyone's listened like that's now the general opinion in it's the media that hardwick ridiculous. is this master coach who got the absolute best out of a crap list just look at the only protege he has is probably the only coach in the afl doing worse than him oh my god yeah. it took me a while for me to see it but i definitely see it now so uh yeah fuck the media <laughs> we should say something about Paul. um well i'd took Remarks. And Schultz was back, so it gives him a chop out, and that probably helped. He didn't do a whole lot, Schultz. I didn't notice him until he laid that tackle. Yeah, but he takes a defender away, cool. and like it allowed Dixon to be one out and not be double teamed all the time. So Rant still beat Dixon, it's just that the ball went in there a million times. Oh, how shit would Richmond be without Rant? He's the best like... defender of the last 20 years, apparently. Oh, <laughs> he's in the conversation. Like he's... he's in the conversation. He puts two more years like He'll be all Australian again. If he gets five in a row it's hard to make an argument against but it's a bit premature he's definitely in the conversation though he just makes such a difference like imagine how good he would be in a good side like he's the only thing probably keeping richmond from being you know mm. in the in the brisbane oh we're, uh, it would be a bit better than that but you know uh, probably the Fremantle range i'd say yeah okay but i got to admit i reckon that assessment from bruce probably stemmed from maybe he's bruce's number one defender in the last 20 years if you get what i mean not the anything wrong with that but that's probably where Bruce is coming from when he says that he's thinking about football but he's not just thinking about football well he's thinking about football no he's he's thinking with his balls instead of his fucking head Bruce you need more brain power (laughs) less dick power nothing else on that game nah alright another game that didn't matter Cookie you can't travel (laughs) yeah we're West Coast aren't you lucky you only go on the road six times a year as a Victorian club didn't we hear during the week that fucking St Kilda would be their preparation was taking it so seriously even more seriously than the Geelong game and you know what it was true it was proven right you know why this was clearly their grand final Geelong was the prelim this was the grand final because they fucking lost it yeah you should not give a fuck more often 
don't fuck with tradition. You obviously went up to the Gold Coast and played a straight bat this time. Next time, go up there and, I don't know, toss some dwarfs or something. That's what they do in Queensland, isn't it? Hit up Carmichael Hunt. Still, Gold Coast played pretty good after they got players back from injury. And again, they're still a decent side and they did bring a lot of pressure and St Kilda just went off to it. They showed what they're capable of. The Bogginator was back. He was no longer a yes, turn. Yes, Boggy. Boggy, um, Boggy. You know, Ablett starting to put it together a bit. Tom Lynch again, who really has been carrying them much this year, despite poor service. Two meter Peter played well. Two meter Peter did play well. I'm sorry. Meter Peter. I'm sorry, but that is the fucking worst nickname in the AFL. It's what worse the than package? fucking the package. Ooh. No, it's, it's just worse. Like, mainly because it reminds me of a fucking friend of mine who we used to call Two-Inch Tom. <laughs> 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 Why is that, Colonel? Nicky Dell. <laughs> I just think it's inaccurate because he's 2.03 metres. That means he's bigger than two metres. Well, all right. Well, two metre cocks. <laughs> that sounds a lot different. <laughs> oh, I like it. That sounds like the way you win a hung parliament to me. Two metre cocks. I mean, Jasny would be happy because I saw on Saturday there was a good article on Mav Weller and how he has a meditating room, so... <laughs> He's the new Harry O. So, yeah, maybe that's probably an issue. Not enough meditating. Or too yeah, much. At least Harry can't meditate because you have to be silent. <laughs> <laughs> that cunt can't shut up. I wonder if he's spending his two-month morning in silence or not. I, I heard he's only just got over the great Princess Diana's death. Nothing else on Gold Coast versus the Saints? Learn to travel, you useless cunts. McCartan getting another concussion is concerning and not in the lol Geelong's youth concerning. It's actually concerning. Yeah, third for the season. Did you hear that someone actually tried to suggest it was linked to his diabetes? Yeah, they did that in the Collingwood game. I think it was Hamish and Barrett. Okay, I was going to say, it wasn't someone working for that Health Australia party or whatever that think that vaccinations cause autism. Wasn't that no. sort of same fuckwittery? They've done it a few times because, you know, the AFL media are dumb. Yeah, because diabetes make your brain soft. That's right, yeah? Yeah. Fucking hell. I wonder if there's a correlation between his soft brown and dating Brownless's daughter because he's not all there. Wait, Brownless's? Yep. Oh, fuck. Wait, no, that's Gary Lyon, isn't it? <laughs> no, she's moved on. She's got a thing for tall, dark, and handsome men. But um, I think she's wanting Paddy... Tall, to dark, and hairy. Yeah, she's wanting him to grow some more hair. Anything else on, yeah, McCartan and the concussions? I don't know what we do to stop these. He needs to probably protect his head a bit more in some contests and maybe wear a helmet, be a bit less reckless, because I would rather see him have a good 15-year career. And Ted Richards as well on the concussion front apparently will retire if he gets one more. So it's really becoming a thing. I think we need to make football less of a contact sport and more of a cuddly, adorable sport. So instead of fucking... In, no, instead of having, like, guys bashing into each other and, you know, punching each other, bash and crash, we should have had Cade Collar-Jasney and Mav Weller lining up against each other and having a pillow fight and trying to see who gets ticklish first, you know, and whoever wins a tickle fight or the pillow fight can get a free kick and have a shot at goal. Well, maybe they could just, like, out who could hold their, their tree pose the longest. And then if you lose, you have to do the downward dog in front of the Sydney supporters. That would be such an unfair change, Penal. Jack Watts has only just adjusted to football, and now you're going to take it back to what he's good at right after. <laughs> That's just cruel. Oh, 
Well, he shouldn't have lost those skills, should he? He should rejoice. He should have a head start. No, but he had to learn all that other stuff, you know, how to not be so soft, and now it's redundant. That's just, that's not fair. Life's not fair. Mm, that's why we have concussions. It is concerning, though. Tuvi got another one I hear in the VFL. Lumumba's had a few, but he was already brain dead before them. But no, I don't know how they stopped the coincidental concussions. We discussed it the other week, and there's probably no real answer still. I just think that you stopped Tim Membry from jumping on your head. <laughs> You're not that good. Fuck off. Get out of my space. No, your limitations. Get away from me. Nothing else on that game? St Kilda no. better have a good cuddle during the week. Sort out the issues. Is this, is this one of the weeks where they're going to go to the movies instead of training? <laughs> <laughs> they can go see Finding Nemo so they can find themselves again. Let's go to another <laughs> game that didn't matter. And, well, Carlton's promising couple of weeks of fading away. They're back to good old shitness, and Collingwood took full advantage of that. Oh. Mind you, they weren't much better, but I guess... Oh, but they didn't need to be. Four points, what counts. This is what I talked about, about skill errors in the Dogs and Colas game, how they were forced by pressure. On Saturday night, like, Collingwood just wanted to kick it to Cade Simpson, and Carlton just wanted to kick it to Ben Reid, and it was almost like kick-to-kick in that regard, because that seemed to be how that game went. And then occasionally Collingwood kicked some goals, and Carlton didn't. Yeah, despite the score line, it never really seemed like they were going to get close enough to beat us. No. It's like we kind of had our hand on their heads and they, like, swung little punches and we just, like, flicked them in the nose or something. Well, they had four goals to um, three-quarter time and you had a three-goal lead. Yeah, yeah they well, kicked a long-time goal, so that kind of flattened them. But, normally, yeah. in an average game, if the margin at three-quarter time is three goals, which it was, you'd say, oh, yeah, the team that's game behind on. is right in us. Yeah, it could be a comeback on the cards, but... I didn't watch a lot of this game. I mostly watched the election coverage and then just flicked over to see the scores. But looking at that three-quarter time score, I was like, no way, Carlton aren't winning this. Like, they just can't kick four unanswered goals. No, not not the way they were playing at all. I mean, Grundy played well, but Carlton have shit-ass rocks, and so you'd expect that from a good um, ruckman. Cloak finally played a decent game. Phillips isn't that bad. He's probably one of their best goal kickers. They just don't <laughs> play him. But, oh, it was, it was good to see son of, son of, son of, son of Sauce and Joe play. Sauce, Sauce. Yeah, Sauce, Sauce, Sauce. Anytime you get to see Joe Silvani on the big screen is good, I think, because she is a magnificent specimen of woman. <laughs> if seriously, had if, three kids or something. If, if the term MILF needed a definition in the dictionary, just put that woman's photo in there. So, yeah, congratulations to him. He was great, but, of course, Carlton being as delusional as they are, are wrapped with his debut. He was pretty handy. Oh, except for when he passed from five metres out to Bryce Bryce Gibbs. Yeah, yeah that was fucked. Gibbs shouldn't have called for that. He should not have called for that. What a selfish cunt. It might be your 200th game, but it's his first. No, NL absolutely basted him for that. It was really, really poor. And then he missed it. To do that to a first game player when you should be backing him in, that was shit house. Yeah, that's piss poor leadership from a guy who probably would have needed that sort of leadership himself when he was a young player. Well, last week, fuckhead. What a cockhead he is. I feel like you guys are expecting me to defend Gibbs here, but it's the one sort of inconsistency with me. I've never been a fan. I can't bring myself to like Gibbs. Like, he's another one who would be only good if the football was pillow fights and cuddle contests. Oh, he'd be good at a sleepover. You could play with his hair and stuff. <laughs> 
back, back on Jack Silvani, he moved like his dad looked like his dad. He, like running to a contest, his limbs looked gangly, and he just, oh, it was like watching sauce. It was great. Mm. He showed enough signs, I think, to say that he's going to yeah. be a For a first gamer, that was pretty good. Oh, yeah, he did. He's, he's, he's come on quicker than they expected. He's good enough. Yeah, absolutely. But I wouldn't be to be so yeah. Pick 50 in a shallow draft, I think they got a bit of a steal. Yeah, they would have got a better steal than <laughs> But at, at the same time, if they're expecting him to be like the great white hope that leads him to a flag, I think they they might be disappointed. <laughs> but you know, well, don't tell them that. Let's let them run with that for a while. That's no telling. That's that. Carlton supporters' favourite pastime. You know, burdening young yeah. kids with unreasonable expectations, like Gibbs and like Cripps and, and, and Wittering and Doherty yeah. and everybody else. God, if you go through the amount of players they have that were supposed to be the great white hope. Oh, oh well. But no, Gibbs is a shit bloke for calling for that ball off Silvani. He never should have done that. He is the reverse Rory Sloan. He is the polar opposite to a Rory Sloan, I think. Rory Sloan would never have done that. No, he would never have done that. He would have backed you in. He would have gone over and told you to, given you the tap on the bum and the time, blah, blah, blah. He, he would have celebrated harder than anyone. He would have. Exactly. Yep. He, he would have gone over and rubbed your hair and it's all right, mate. He would have shook your hand and if you didn't want to shake it, he would have just casually put it to his stomach. Yeah, he would have tapped um, himself on the belly and walked away with a cute little smile. <laughs> Oh, God. How are we still talking about Rory Sloan? <laughs> How can we not? Let's move on. Last game of the week, West Coast ski unconvincingly, amazingly. It's amazing that you can ski unconvincingly against a team, but they managed to do it against Essendon. They only won by 80-odd points, and they were only about six goals up halfway through the third. <laughs> so long ago, like it was not this week. And I learned absolutely nothing from this game. <laughs> no. <laughs> to give me any useful insight into the season, but I guess that's... I don't know if there was anything out of this game noteworthy. I really don't. I'm trying to think. McGinnity kicked four goals. The only (laughs) thing I can think of is the suspensions, particularly the Zaharakis one, because that was the first instance of someone getting the stomach punch, and instead of... Yeah, have they gone tinfoil hat over in Jamestown over that? Well, yes, they have. They have. (laughs) I haven't been to the Jamestown board because I don't want my computer to get fucking AIDS, but on the MRP board, they're all saying if Zaharakis played for any other club especially <laughs> hawthorne they say <laughs> oh well uh, that then he would have got saying, off. really but any I other s- club really oh, like, no i see nothing wrong with this suspension i in fact think no, I, good suspension. wait well, are you playing them next week yes you actually think you need them to not have zaharakis to beat them i'm a secure supporter so i'm a pessimist so yes looks like you're not getting moral victory next week but no the the main argument i guess from people who are not just Essen supporters just think he should have got off is that people have been getting off for this all year why should he not be judged consistently like two wrongs don't make a right i think this is the right kind of punishment for this thing they maybe got it wrong before certainly with the tom lynch one doesn't mean you keep doing it they finally got it right and the thing from now is to make sure they get it right going from now on like they shouldn't have said oh yeah we let lynch get off so zaharakis will let him off with a fine as well they got it right 100 percent. this is what shits me about when the afl do do things if they do act everyone goes why aren't you consistent but if they don't act everyone complains about it for 10 more weeks it's just like they can't win it's like the whole buy round situation everyone hates the six games over the course of three weeks but just you people wait till we come to round 24 when there's a week off you'll be begging for the six games a week instead just on that round 
round 24 stuff. They've always done the fucking floating fixture for the last round in terms of the, the game times. Why not, like, if there are one, two, one, one or two games between the teams that aren't going to be playing finals, just stick them in the, wee, in the week that would have been the off week. Yeah, exactly. I can't be the first person that's thought of this. Someone should have told the nutters at AFL HQ. I think we actually mentioned this last year when the idea first came up in the fixture that why don't they play the junk games then because you're going to have at least one game. I mean, we're facing Brisbane in round 23. Just whack it during the week break. And... Yeah, and they do this in round 22. They fixture games. They don't think we're going to be finals games. They fixtured Essendon and Carlton, which based on last year's ladder positions were uh, bottom and third bottom. You know, they fixture games like this that they could fit and Brisbane St Kilda's another one that they could put on the last weekend. So just fucking do it. Anyway, Penal's right. Hashtag Penal yeah, is right. Yeah, it was mentioned on um, 360 that the, of the, I think there are 72 games left for the year and only 12 are top eight versus top eight. So there's going to be a, a lot of... Uh bottom either one-sided games or bottom eight shit fests like the one we saw on Saturday night. I don't know because I don't think it's quite that situation where teams will start to put players out to pasture just yet. There are some genuine shit truck teams. But they'll all still beat Geelong, so... Yeah. (laughs) There will be those sneaky games and when you've got six teams all on 40 points as it stands, even dropping one of those could really fuck a season. Yeah, well, I guess the point that I think Jared was making was that the way the fixtures panned out is that a lot of the good games have sort of already happened, and at least on paper, the ones that look enticing, there aren't many of them. And it'll be the ones that surprise us, kind of like Geelong St Kilda, that will provide the biggest say in, I guess, how the top eight ends up. Well, Hawthorne play Port this week, which could be interesting. Yeah. Yeah, but there's a way to be... solve the fixture. We just asked what Rory Sloan would do. What would Rory Sloan do? WWRD. Let's move on to the talking points. we got a few. We'll begin with... <laughs> Tom Boyd. The Bulldogs banner was quite interesting because it would have been written before that story got out. And we criticised the bye week press and how people go grasping for stories in bye week and they come up with all the shit ideas because there's nothing else to talk about. Well, if it weren't for bye weeks, this one may never have made it to the surface. Who wants to go with this one? Me. What a sneaky bunch of cunts they were. (laughs) They didn't want this story to get out. Now, I know you've only got 12 supporters, so you didn't really have to send out live... Don't worry, if Michael Talia was still there, this would have been out months ago. <laughs> but still, it's just, it was, was he wrestling or fighting? But, but, but there's, like, there's a rumour he glassed him, that he had cuts on his face. Because he got insulted something. Okay, they've all been teasing him about his contract and that he's in the twos, and he finally snapped it. Like, probably one of the only <laughs> other guys who shouldn't be criticising him in Zane Cordy, who I might have played one game in his life. But I got to laugh at how, basically, most of the dogs list are tomboy deal haters. <laughs> Well, if you want to pay a lot of money, you better justify it and not glass your own teammates. I noticed um, on the dog's board, there was a post made by a guy who seems to be an inside source at the club. So apparently he only posts like really reliable intelligence. And he actually said that Beveridge, who obviously got to the club after the Tom Boyd, same offseason, but after the deal was done. And Beveridge, apparently he's not a fan of Tom Boyd, the footballer, i.e. not good enough. Not a fan of him as an individual, i.e. not a good bloke off the field. He's no Rory Sloan and not a fan of what that's done to their salary cap. And according to this Dogs poster, he lobbied very hard last year, Beveridge did, that he got the Dogs to the point where they had very serious discussions with Carlton about a trade. Soss was on board, but the Carlton board apparently pulled the pin. Oh, was the Carlton board pulled the pin? Yes. So this trade probably would have included the number one pick, maybe, that became Weedering. Possibly. But this uh, poster also said the Dogs will 
revisit trading Boyd at the end of the year. And yeah, the idea of Tom Boyd, you know, playing for another club while the dogs pay half his cap and goes on to become a superstar when the dogs still can't get a key forward. Brilliant idea. That would be hilarious. Like he'd be the Bulldogs exa. Because that's the thing. No one's going to trade for Boyd if they have to take the full cap hit. Even with the salary cap going up, no one's making that trade. They would back their development or back their drafting over exposed form of Tom Boyd who won in two years has only managed a handful of games playing behind Redpath at the Dogs who, you know, cracked the sads with his teammates and bashed him up off field. Belted him. <laughs> you know, this guy's a culture problem as well as an on-field contributing to your team problem potentially. Like they released the figures, I think they, they released the figures about a year and year years where they say like, oh, these were the amount of players on certain salaries for 2015 and there were what, six players I think on a million dollars a year? Now obviously there's kind of front loading and stuff to finish it but, you know, Tom Boyd does not deserve to be in that category so no club is going to trade no. for him without the dogs you know paying half or 40 percent of the, the salary and the other thing is the dogs are in genuine finals and based on the sydney wind premiership contention as it stands they can't afford to gift him games to potentially boost his trade value which is i guess the philosophy even with omira if he walks at the suns at least if they get games into him they can prove he's fit and get more for him if he wants to leave but you know with the dogs they can't afford to do that with Boyd, he's going to have to sit in the twos and he becomes a liability. He becomes a far less valuable trade. He becomes like trading Harley Bennell, who was first round talent. Really, really, very harsh on this guy. If he hadn't hit Ace Cordy, he would have been a fucking hero. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is also with the Boyd thing is that player agents, they're all great pieces of shit. We're all unanimous on that. Yes. And they're going to realise, oh, they're going to play Boyd a million. My client should be getting that money as well. Player agents won't forget. Doggies, better ditch him all you can. Mm, but you got to find someone to take it. And Penal's right. If you were the dogs, last year was the year to do it because he still had a bit more currency. This year, the currency's dipped and you're looking at trading him to a club. Like last year, they probably could have got Carlton to pay all of it. This year, it's not happening. You're going to have to pay some of that. And if he stars, you know, after the Ryan Griffin trade, it does not look good for them. Are they maybe just stuck with him now? I think they have to be stuck with him. I think Beveridge has got to find a way to do it. I can't see any scenario in which the Dogs win a trade involving Boyd, so they they probably just kind of keep him, unless he's that much of an off-field problem. Maybe Frio come knocking when Hogan goes to West Coast. You know, he's not going to Fremantle, so if he goes to West Coast, maybe Frio get desperate. You can't, can't keep someone like that. If this is happening in year two, imagine what's going to be happening in year fucking four and five. Yeah. Well, he needs to harden the fuck up. If his football's not good enough and he's getting paid that sort of money, he needs to get over it. I wouldn't give a fuck if my football wasn't good be good enough. I'd be flicking dollars at fucking players in the change rooms. <laughs> Make fuck. it rain. Exactly, that's exactly what I'd be doing. I'd be walking out onto Witten Oval in the middle of the fucking day making it rain with fitties and then walking out. Fuck ya. <laughs> be like, you're not even the best football in your family, Zane. You fucking walk out. Hire Caleb Daniels and Midget Butler. <laughs> Caleb Daniel just runs around picking up the fitty so he can keep making it rain. <laughs> <laughs> and he hides him in his helmet. <laughs> Actually, I just had a thought. I can think of a club that might have the cap money to burn to pay oh, Boyd his million and that would take a key forward and probably don't give too much of a fuck up culture because like, their culture's fucked anyway and they can't keep anyone. 
Maybe the Bryans are a fit. No. Knock, knock. Who's there? No, and the Saints. <laughs> no, the Saints already have a, another highly priced mercenary. We're, we're going after Rockland. Yeah, you are. The Bryans yeah, need to pay someone. And apparently uh, Adelaide looks set to keep Jenkins. So the Bryans need to pay someone. Or they could pay Boyd. Exactly. So if, if Rockcliffe goes and they don't land Jenkins, then they'd fucking offer him $2 million just because they need to get up to that salary floor somehow. Maybe the key to the dogs getting rid of Boyd is actually not to take the draft pick value for him and instead give him away for peanuts to have someone else pay the cap hit. Like, there's only, there's, you know what I mean? Someone maybe pays him a million but mm-hmm. gives up nothing for him. They're not going to get both the salary paid and a first rounder, which even with the way he's going, they'd still probably be able to ask because the quotation marks, big men take time. But they're in a real bind at the moment. I wouldn't be getting rid of him now. His currencies can't get any worse, can it, surely? Oh, it could certainly get Like, he's still... You reckon? Like, he can't, he can't get a game this year. He's always going to be on a million dollars. Well, it's, it's still his third season. So he has time to come good and I reckon he has currency based on that alone. But Do you think he gets worse in his fourth year though than this? Do you reckon he shows more? He could show more in the fourth year that even if you didn't want him then, you get rid of well, him? Well, even now, he's got hype, he's got potential and so his trade value is still going to be inflated, not as much as it was the last couple of years, but still based on the fact that, oh yeah, he could be uh, really, really gun forward if it gets to like his fourth season and he's still only a mediocre shit truck who gets kept out of the side by fucking red path then he gets nothing you're selling him right really now. low at the moment though really low i reckon i would do anything to get him imagine if collingwood could get him and then he i don't care if he's just an average bog average player but the dogs have to pay him <laughs> wouldn't that be a nice little you could sit him in the vfl with travis yeah and we could have a two million dollar fall line yeah, but imagine that dogs having to pay us money <laughs> If you're Fremantle, you would still give up a first rounder for him if you can't get Hogan. No question. Well, their first rounder this year is going to be pick four. They would do that trade. If you're Fremantle, you would do that trade. Unless you get can get Hogan, you would do that trade. No, for, no, no. It's more important for Freo to surely draft an actual decent young player than to trade no. for one that's under. No, Ross doesn't believe in that. Ross, Ross does doesn't not have enough time that. for that. Um, <laughs> how far in the future can you trade picks? Only one year so that no one goes completely crazy Vossi and mortgages. <laughs> Five years of future. I, thought we, I thought we traded like seven first round picks for Trillor. If it's DB, cost DB first round, if it's going to cost us a first rounder, we'll have to wait until fucking 2025. By then, Harry should be over the morning. <laughs> Nothing else on Boyd? No. What a waste of money. Well, speaking of wastes of money, and I did hint at this before with Boyd potentially going to Brisbane, Rockcliffe is asking for 800000 over five years. I'm amazed not only that he thinks he could get that, but that someone else might actually consider it. It's got to be 800000 total over five years. <laughs> per year. Well, well, that's about what he's worth. Like, If you do the math, like 800000 per effective disposal, it's, what, 400000 or something? He's not worth the money. He's not, but your club seems to be fishing. Richardson has come out and said we are not looking for him, so... Brisbane are holding firm, and I hope they hold firm, because he's not worth that, and considering the culture problems that he seems to be very much responsible for up there, they have a lot of problems, but he's clearly part of it. I would laugh if he got Dustin martin and actually tried to auction himself off to basically any bidder he could, wandered around, sold himself to all these clubs saying, pay me 800 grand, and he got bounced back, but the difference being martin 
smart and got bounced back because everyone was concerned about his off-field stuff and his dad and all that, whereas Rockliffe's going to get bounced back because he's, he's not a very good footballer, which, you know, has that ever happened just... where someone's tried to basically put themselves out on the market, ask for more money, and get knocked back because everyone says you're not a good footballer? Has that ever happened? No. Like, I'm trying to think. Cloak, maybe? maybe. No, Cloak got what he wanted out of Collingwood in the end, though. Cloak never wanted to leave. He just wanted more money. He wanted five years instead mm. of four, I think. That was the sticking point. Then he got five years on incentives, and it hasn't worked out for him. Penal's got some different opinions on this, but I think Brisbane, if they hold firm, could get him for not much more than half that. I'm not sure if it's the best thing for them, but they certainly don't need a cave. But if they don't cave, I don't think anyone's going to trump them. No way. Surely no one is that stupid. Teams don't tag him, so they're obviously aware of his true worth. Seriously, are you playing Brisbane and you're not tagging him? Yeah. Like, that's saying something. But Brisbane have built a couple of decent pillars and they, they're putting pieces of the puzzle together. Slowly. Slowly. And so they've got, like, they've got Tom Bell now. They've turned Robbo into, like, a semi-functioning human. If, as long as they can get Christensen to keep rooting around, like, they'll have a good team in a couple of years. Got Shakay. They've got Andrews, who's a hand-key defender. They finally realised if they drafted someone who wanted to be there, they might not lose them. So that's why they'll keep Shakay. Yeah, so hopefully none of these guys become the Brexits. But, you know, yeah, you're right. They've got pillars. And Rockcliffe's like a foundation made out of sand. But he does nothing to assist those pillars. So well, fuck you. He's made out of, like, Play-Doh. Like, he's <laughs> awesome. He's shithouse. Like, I reckon if Brisbane can get, like, it's almost like what Stubbins was suggesting with Boyd. If you can get anything for him, I would take it if mm. you're Brisbane, because the cap space would just be more valuable. You've got to know that you can fill the cap space. Yeah, I guess it, if they can land any sort of target during the off-season, heavily front-load that contract, and boom, you don't need to pay Rockcliffe whatever he's asking, because frankly, even 500000 is too much. Yeah, and if he's yeah. as much of a problem as it sounds, and it certainly sounds that way as far as the leadership goes, like help Dagcock out the door, and you know the young players want to leave because of the way he's conducting himself, and he doesn't play like a footballer that oozes leadership and you know someone that guys want to play with, then you know getting him out of them is probably the best thing for the club. It's just... Send him to Frio. Let Ross turn him into one of these boring, you know, senior midfield grunt types. He could that... be a great replacement for Nick Subin on the Fremantle <laughs> side. That's about his fucking talent level. Frio might actually be a good landing spot for him because Lyon doesn't really care if you gain metres. He just cares about boredom. Yeah, he just cares about maintaining possession and all this other shit. And maybe Brisbane can get a top... Maybe Brisbane could get pick four for him. Could you imagine that? And draft someone who wants to be there. And maybe more of them will want to be there with no Rockcliffe. I'm just amazed by this. And Lewis Taylor wants money too. Like, what is it with these entitled Brian's players? Well, yeah, it's, I guess, a symptom of this, got touched on earlier, the greedy fucking player agents trying to, you know, uh, get the best deal for the players. Like, all of a sudden, the player asking prices are being reported a lot more. Like, it came out during the week as well that O'Meara wants 750 uh, a year from... He's like his. Either the Suns or whichever kind of Melbourne-based team wants to pick him up. Like, I've spoken in the past on here about how we're the front runners to get him. You won't be paying that much for him. That's more than you paid for Frawley. If he's asking that, then I wouldn't want us to pay that because it's too much of a risk with uh, the injury concerns. Tom Mitchell's I'm having not... his first regular season in the ones, and he's all of a sudden put off contract talks too. This well, is what he's... Tom Boyd's cause. Tom Boyd yeah, is fucked the market. Selfish cunt has caused others to be selfish. 
I'm not buying into the selfish thing because that might be the case with O'Meara and Mitchell, he's been on the outer at Sydney forever. But with Brisbane, this is what happens when you create a culture where you don't have a backbone and you let players hold you over a barrel and you let them dictate to you their terms and where they want to go and how they want to get there. And then when James Ash does it and you, you say you won't buckle, exactly and then right. you do. Now, this is what happens when you're a bunch of spineless jellyfish. You therefore tell your players that you are not strong enough to say no or you will give in because you are piss weak and now you've got people like Lewis Taylor and Tom Rockliffe holding you to rent. Taylor wants 500 a year 500 a year I wouldn't give him $500 a year that country jail he got dropped this year by Brisbane don't Brisbane have like 25 fit players and he still got dropped he's terrible Jared Grant said he's terrible that's all you need to know Jared fucking Grant Good old microphone head himself. He's Rockcliffe's apprentice. <laughs> That's the thing. If you're getting dropped by the Brisbane Lions, you are a below average AFL footballer. There is nothing else for it than that. And that means get paid below the AFL average, which is 300000 a year. Underneath that somewhere. That's where Lewis Taylor belongs. I don't know if it's necess- without knowing the players and their motivations. I don't know if you can sort of automatically assume they're being selfish. I think it's more a case of the player managers just cottoning onto this Boyd thing and trying to... You know, because you know, they get a percentage, so they're obviously just trying to extract it. Yeah, well, we'll find out at the end of the year, won't we? But Morgs is right. Brisbane have buckled two years in a row to Collingwood, and <laughs> they did it with the go-home five to all those other clubs. You know, they have to stop the bleeding at some point. And this is probably a better one to do it on than any of the other ones, because if Tom Rockliffe's holding you to ransom for 800000 a year... Say no. You can't set that pay scale. If you set that pay scale, you open it up for every other spud you draft. What happens when Dane Beams comes back for contract talks? What are you going to pay him? Three mil? What happens when Mitch Robinson sees Tom Rockliffe get that and he goes, hang on, I'm a dual best and fairest winner here. Rockliffe didn't win either of those years. I want 900. Yeah, what happens when the friggin' eight best and fairest from last year <laughs> drag talks? Fucking hell, you what have no when, money left. That's when Shockey yeah. wants some. Obviously, yeah, they're not on incentives there. Otherwise, they would have just split that up and given it to one guy who's not. I think we should probably move on from this talking point, but I'm curious to see how this plays out in September, October. Just don't do it, St Kilda. We're already paying 500 for Carlisle, and that's a better investment. Well, it is, because Carlisle can play football. He's just... In the back line. Not for this season. Hey, you're still probably getting more out of him this season than Bulldogs are getting out of Boyd and Brisbane getting out of Rockcliffe. (laughs) But I think this will be interesting to follow, and I would not be surprised to see him sell himself and get no buyers at the price he's asking. Let's go to another talking point. Premiership reunions. Uh, West Coast had theirs. Uh, Chris Lewis was a surprise attendee. Did anyone notice that? Yeah, I did. Mm, carrying the cup. Well done for him. Yeah. Didn't play in 2006, but, you know, he was there, at least according to the Herald Sun. Did Daniel Chick make it down for the reunion? He did. Two weeks after fucking savaging them at <laughs> Andrew Embley. I wonder what he thought of the rap. Well, I don't know if you heard the story about Andrew Embley and Daniel Chick running into each other on a golf course last week. No? Apparently oh. he missed it by like 50 centimetres or something. I don't know. I just had it in my head like a jackass style chasing each other in the <laughs> golf buggies. Oh, yeah. Apparently one of them hit a drive and nearly hit the other guy in the head. Oh. Missed by that much and then went to retrieve the ball and all of a sudden it was their teammate 
from the music. <laughs> I think I think it was Embley who almost hit Chick. Oh, Chick would not have liked that. He was probably aiming for him in that case. <laughs> it reminds me of the story of where Caro's dog went up and made with friends James with Heard. James Heard's dog. <laughs> but anything on that reunion or North one? North have finally moved on from the Kerry saga, it appears. Everyone's spoken and no, they're not friends, but if you believe them, the tension's gone. Uh, anything on that? I can't wait for Mick Martin to release a rap. <laughs> Random groaning a good rap song. Like, <laughs> me hit ball. So uh. done fuck Kelly in the dunnies. <laughs> about you and I'm pretty funny. <laughs> Nothing else on North and West Coast reunion. The West Coast reunion, you know, the, there would be a lot of loose individuals. Well, yeah, I think they're all on pretty good terms. Like, even Chick is sort of reasonably liked by most of the players, just the supporters <laughs> that fucking hate him now. And there's no real tension. So I imagine they all fucking had a drug fuel bender <laughs> orgy the west coast reunion whereas i don't buy for one second that stevens of Carey have kissed and made up i reckon there was tension and it's not like i would believe anything that comes out of the fucking north club's mouthpiece as fact so they i think are lying to us and there is more tension than ever really so you think you think it's still tense at north it would surprise oh, me I mean... it would have to be like maybe there's no more anger there's no more like I want to fucking punch your face in you stupid cunt Wayne but like this guy turned you into a cuck like you don't want to be in the same room as him nothing else on the reunions we need St Kilda to win a flag then we'll give it 10 years primo stuff will be happening well yeah it would have been funny if it happened during your Kim Duffy Ross Lyon sort of era when the bo- everything was going on but let's move on anything on the Jack feud Kieran Jack and his brother with his parents it was quite a story that got broken by his mum tweeting to him it's like an angry telling off phone call bit done on twitter it's just like hmm it just seems so bizarre it does seem bizarre then again it's rugby players so who knows probably jealous that his son's getting the good cocaine from buddy have we heard a reason behind this? Like, or is it just pure speculation? Apparently, it's regarding Jack's partner. Oh, that explains the Daily Telegraph newspaper. Why? It's got a photo of a chick in a bikini on it. Oh. And I'm assuming it's Kieran Jack's partner. Fair enough. About the only time the Swans would get on the front page. Wait, you're saying Kieran Jack's partner is a is a girl? <laughs> like, yes. Maybe that's the problem. Like, he's in Sydney and he brings home a girl to his parents. <laughs> like, I could see why they don't approve. His dad played rugby. He would have rather. He sniffed bums. Or dogs. Or dogs. <laughs> yeah, his dad's annoyed that he didn't, he didn't pick a dog. Let's move on. There's the questions, and we got a few. I hinted at this before. Red Vest wants to know, uh, when will Hardwick get sacked? There's only one answer for this. Not soon enough. And, yeah, it got discussed earlier, the whole way this narrative's been allowed to be shifted. And feel free to stop me anytime, guys. That, you know, Hardwick, oh, poor Hardwick, he's done the best he could with this list, blah, blah, blah. As we said, Alex Rance gun defender, one of the best the last 20 years in the conversation. You know, he's had plenty of all Australians under his watch. He's picked some spuds, but he gets defended and Nathan Buckley gets crucified for being a bad coach. So, obviously, this ridiculous narrative, he's not going to be put under the pump he deserves to be, and he should be gone already. And hopefully the board sees through the bullshit, but my confidence is shaky on that, because I think Richmond are gun-shy on sacking coaches, because we did it for 20 years. So he's um, contracted till the end of 2018, right? I believe so. So I reckon they'll pull the trigger with a year to go. 
end of next yeah. year is when they'll sack him. That's too late. I'm not saying they shouldn't sack him before then, but that's when I think they will sack him because mm. they'll give him every chance because they're chugging the, the Hardwick Kool-Aid and they're, so they think he's a gun coach and they will give him every chance and then they will probably, you know, it'll it'll take two consecutive years of missing the finals probably. Strong club sacks him this year. Weak club does not. I'm going to say... I think he has about 22 games left in charge. End of this season, he'll be sacked by about round 18 next year. The board can't sack him now after giving him an extension at the start of the year when they did a four-month investigation before they gave him the contract extension. They can't seriously, in all honesty, sack him now without falling on the swords themselves. So they're protecting themselves. 100% agree. But as I said, strong club sacks him and ex- accepts a mistake that they made. Weak club does not. Yeah. If it's clear he loses the players and you got to wonder on this week's performance, you can't keep a coach who's lost the players. If the board sack him now, it looks like they fucked up. And they have. But whether they prepared to admit that, I don't think the board are prepared to admit they fucked up. I'm sceptical, but the optimist in me says we will sack him at the end of this year. We're not going to be playing finals. We're going to have an extra couple of weeks to review the season and I reckon some hard looks will be taken I think he'll go I think it'll take two consecutive years of that to get it to that point anyway that's been answered Cookie you had a question alright if Bay 13 was a political party what changes or what things would you implement for Australia or the AFL minimum commentary standards I don't know how we'd qualify that but certainly you'd make it a criminal offence to be Hamish McLaughlin yes (laughs) Um, punishable by being run over by a car I think we should have Rory Sloan feel good lounges in every state capital oh let's not stop there how about every stadium yeah imagine how good Adelaide Oval would be with a Rory Sloan feel good lounge for everyone to be in Mm. it would overcrowd it would be hot ticket in town it would be the biggest lounge in the world it would make the other 17 Rory's out of Adelaide feel left out but bad luck well they're not Rory Sloan so they're not the Rory mm. we have Jack Watts as Prime Minister or Queen well we've got Trump who's doing really well in America because he wants to fucking you know build a wall around Mexico and deport all the Mexicans so what I would do is build a wall around South Australia and fucking deport Andrew Embley <laughs> <laughs> can we deport Andrew Embley to South Australia? No, because Andrew Embley needs to sing our national anthem. (laughs) Uh, Order a royal commission into a new national anthem chaired by Andrew Embley. I would declare a new public holiday. Happy Sydney Go Top Day. Oh, wait. (laughs) Oops. And on that note, let's go to this week on the Bay. Uh, We'll begin with Thread of the Week. What do we got? There's one clear front runner. As usual, it's from Jasney. And it is... uh, It's a long thread title, but uh, bear with me, because even if every other AFL team merged together, Hawthorne would still win the 2016 Premiership. What a great thread from a great poster. Reach around, Mm. or reach inside, I don't know. (laughs) Just a reach, I think. I think it's reaching, dry reaching. I want to nominate... And I can claim a little bit of credit because I suggested the post to do this, but post pictures of Hannah buried bitching it up thread. I think that has a hell of a lot of potential to not quite be the same as the Bryce Gibbs thread, but Hannah does have that. Hannah sook face, bitch face. He has a resting sook face like I have a resting bitch face. (laughs) I would go for the uh, tomboyed deal haters. (laughs) 
fantastic thread this week. I've said this before, but every thread on the bay, no matter what the premise is, it's destined to backfire one day. And, you know, that one was probably already going that way, but I think that's going to be quite a monumental one quite soon. Any other nominations? The election thread was good value. It was. It was a great thread, especially uh, when it got all personal and nasty. <laughs> so what do we want to give it to? Which one? Jasney. Jasney. Oh. Probably go Tomboy Deal Haters. The reach around this yeah. week. Deal Haters. We look after our own Jasney. <laughs> oh, we're tired. Vlog of the Week should be a bit easier. What do we got? I've got a really late runner for Vlog mm. of the Week, and it is BRWB. What's he doing? Just one single post in the Kieran thread. On the anniversary is P. Walsh murdered by his son. We have this. Pretty sad for all concerned. Oh, that's like when Divi Blues didn't want us laughing at fucking James Heard after that. Yeah, because James Heard fell off a bike, yeah. so you can't laugh about it because someone once died. You're a fucking moron. This is not relative. I hate you. Yeah, no one was bringing up Phil Walsh until he decided to jump the shark and bring up Phil Walsh for no reason. Very man with no name-esque. I was going to nominate Gong Swan for his melt in the Colas Bulldogs match thread, which was quite a read, but now that you've said that... Yeah, I was, I was going to sort of nominate NL's favourite person, DB Swanee, for much the same lines, but um, that probably takes the cake. Yeah, hard to top that. Okay, last week's poll, if you had to trade for one, I'm amazed at this, but 11.8% said Travis Cloak. 17.6% said Tom Rockcliffe. So let's find out who these people support. Cookie, Mardo, and I don't know who Nick CC is. So you know what? Puffers and St Kilda, you can have Rockcliffe. But the overwhelming winner with 70.6% of the vote was Jack Watts. And this was before he 20 and 3 So if we did that poll again, maybe all the votes would be for Jack Watts. Next week's games will begin with Thursday night, Port versus Hawthorne at the Portress. It's a danger game for Hawthorne. You haven't beat me, and I don't know. I'll have to check the thread for how many days it's been since you beat them. But Well, we haven't beaten them in a home-and-away game at Adelaide Oval. I think that's right. We're zero from two, and they also beat us at Eddie Had last year. So our record against them isn't great. Obviously, we did beat them in that prelim. Of course, the Puffers haven't forgotten about that because, you know, they fucking butthurt over it still to this day. But yeah, uh, it'll be very tight game. Ford have got their pressure game back. So I think they'll push us all the way and we'll win by three points thanks to a James Sicily masterclass. I think it'll be tight, but Hawthorne will get lucky and we'll win. No, we're never lucky. (laughs) (laughs) James Sicily, like he's the new Rory Sloan. No, no, there's only one Rory Sloan. Get out. No. Shut up. Like he's the vice president of the Feel Good Lounge because he's got all the attributes. Good player, good looking bloke. Oh, fuck off. He's got the most... Punchable head in the world. His name's not even Rory. Even Doss wants to punch him, and Doss is a nice person. Fucking, yeah, penal. The Royal Sloan Lounge was going so well until you had to try and splatter goo all over the walls. You're banned. Mm. I, I thought... Banned from the lounge. Oh, can we ban him? What would Rory do? Rory wouldn't ban no, me. I'm sorry, penal. You can feel good in your own lounge, because you've just fucking <laughs> lost your privileges here. No, um, Rory, Rory, would, Rory would not ban me. He would sit Rory, you down and explain reasons why he's a bad guy. Rory is an inclusive individual. He would not ban me, and he also wants James Sisley as part of the lounge. Because <laughs> he, he does. I spoke to him on the phone earlier. <laughs> okay, Suze. Did I ever mention that Rory Sloan is my cousin? <laughs> Cookie Morgs got tips. Oh, penal should shut the fuck up. That's a good tip. Uh, Hawthorne. I reckon Hawthorne by 10. Cats versus the Colas in a good old-fashioned eight-point game. Cats off the bye. Colas had a tough hit out. Cats, I think, will win this. They might not even need Dangerfield to step up this time. 
I reckon Cats to win by maybe four goals and uh, Buddy to kick 75% of Sydney's score. I reckon Sydney, because they usually play well down in Simmons. But it, but it's Geelong against a team that isn't in the bottom eight. Yeah, I think win, Geelong will win. win. Giants versus Collingwood at Fortress Spotless. Giants. Oh, oh, oh. Giants. <laughs> the milk's gone bad. I'll pick Collingwood. What's with the milk? Oh, it's gone bad. This is going to end badly for us. But I'm going to stick with Collingwood and tip them because I always do. I'm not doing that in my tips. Okay, Cookie. Yeah, Giants by plenty. Oh, God, the next game. The Q clash. <laughs> oh. uh, Gold Coast, easily. Gold Coast, not based on last week. If it wasn't for last week's game, it would be so iffy. Brisbane can come off the bye all they want. They're not going to beat the Suns. I reckon Brisbane will be too distracted by the contract speculation <laughs> surrounding Tom Rockliffe and Lewis Taylor. What's going to happen? They're going to be less effective? They're going to be... Is it impossible for them to be less effective than normal? Maybe they'll be distracted, get less ball, and it will help Brisbane's cause and they'll win. Well, it'll be their teammates, like the teammates that can actually play football, like Shakay and uh, Hanley and, and that and Robinson. They'll be distracted because they'll be thinking about how much money they should be getting if Rockliffe asking for 800k. And so, then they'll go and punch him in the face like Tom Boyd. And then they'll replace Rockliffe with Boyd at the end of the year. I think what they're going to do is they, they should sticky tape Lewis Taylor on top of Tom Rockliffe and standing next to two metre Peter, and then it will be a real competition. But I'm tipping a draw. Gold Coast in a very ugly, low-scoring game. Game that doesn't matter, so Gold Coast. Dogs versus Richmond, they had we are no hope. Dogs. Dogs. I think dogs will ski and probably win by 10 goals. An intriguing matchup next. Melbourne versus Fremantle, but it's in Darwin, where Melbourne are still yet to win, I believe. And it'll be one of those ugly night games up there where it's humid and the, it's slip, it's like wet conditions, but hot weather. Disgusting, terrible spectacle. Even though it's on at the same time as the Richmond game, I would not be watching a second regardless. And So the conditions would... Oh, I'm going to put faith in Melbourne. The conditions would probably suit Frio by the sounds of it, especially they as would. Melbourne have never won up there. But honestly, uh, Melbourne, surely they've turned enough of a corner to be able to win this game and beat Frio. Melbourne. It would invalidate their brave effort against Adelaide this week if they lost yeah. to Frio. Melbourne, but just. I'm going to go Frio by eight goals. And there'll be three boundary line breastfeedings. <laughs> Hang on, actually, is Heretia... Oh, no, he's still in mourning. Is he any chance to come back and do a dance? Throw a spear? Harry's the third one. I'm gonna, it's going to be breastfed on the sideline. But it won't be by Fuzzy because she doesn't go that way. <laughs> like, is, is he any chance of being back? Because this was the site of his spear dance. Oh, no, it was Alice Springs. So you think you can tribal dance? Oh, he's not going to play because he got a new concussion on the weekend. Oh, gosh. Maybe one of these ones will knock some sense into him one day. No. Carlton versus the Crows at the MCG. Look, the Crows will win. I think the most important question here is what will Rory do? I'm going to go 20-3. and three. He's going to 20-3 and because it's Carlton, and they're on the slide. 30 disposals, four goals, him to give Bryce Gibbs a good hug, and Bryce Gibbs will still cry from the hug. Yeah. Well, I mean, Rory, 
Rory Sloan, he's not a big goal kicker as Rory, but he doesn't need to be because they've got that great forward line. So I reckon he'll just keep delivering it lace out to Tex, but he'll rack up 30 touches and be the best player on the ground. But I don't think he'll kick it. He won't kick it back. Sloan is unselfish, that's why. No, he'll kick one goal, he'll have 32 touches, probably 10 tackles, and he will dominate against a shithouse Carlton side led by absolute P-Heart in Bryce Gibbs. Bryce Gibbs to also demand another pass from Silvani next time he gets a chance on goal. Yeah. West Coast versus North. This one's iffy because North haven't been beaten good sides, but West Coast aren't really a good side. West Coast usually beat North over there, so it have to be West Coast. True. Based on that, I'm going to pick West Coast too now that you've said that. I'm calling it now. Loser of this game will miss the finals. Is this because Port's going to beat Hawthorne and charge home? It's every possibility. Like, I tipped us, but not convincingly. Like, that's almost a 50-50 game. I know the Port supporters would be claiming it as a 50-50 game because they love doing that, but uh, I honestly would not be surprised if Port <laughs> beat us, and if they beat us, they're obviously a good chance to make the eight in place of whoever loses this game. I think West Coast will scrape home just. I'm going for North off the bye. It was the bye they needed to have. <laughs> last game, Essendon St Kilda. Look, I know St Kilda, after last week, just could not get it done against a shit opponent, but no, they'll bounce back this week. Uh, yeah, it's, it's in Melbourne. They'll be fine. They'll win yeah. by oh, yes, a lot of points. They are we flat track bullies, and they will beat the shit out of Essendon. We usually play well when we get smashed interstate, so yeah, we'll win probably 10 goals. You beat Essendon by 100 points last year when the gap in talent was smaller, so you might even do it again. Tim Membry to kick five, Josh Bruce to kick five, and yeah, you guys. Are you talking about your own players' heads or five goals? Mm, I'm not fast. Oh, come on. <laughs> well, he did. It's Tim Membry's fault. <laughs> still, backers to win. All right, that's everything. So this was the podcast for round 16. Starburns joined by Cookie. Goodbye. Penal. Oh, taking all applications for the James Sicily Feel Great Lounge. Feel Goo Lounge. No one? Oh, just Bosk then. Fine. <laughs> and Morgs. It's a hot sunny day and the heat took its toll. Big CB just playing his role. This is Chatty Fletcher's turn. He's as good in the surf and he'll go long the big queue and off goes the glove. There's a push and a shove. There's a push and a shove. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. Glass beam hall, glass will stand tall. Sticks and stones. Honest but solid as a rock was Brett Jones. Some say we'll come others said naughty. Banners was born in the 70s going grey. And close to turning 40. We believed in our vision with absolute precision like a Persian rug. Sellers response. Persian rug. No, 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 no. <laughs> no one listened to that bit. <laughs> and then there was Michael Braun. He missed 05 with that cork in the thigh. Name his son after Noah's Ark. Give us a spell, David. We're a ponder. You don't own Kings Park, but you were a freak, and we needed you in the second half. And geez, you're a good for a bloke with no calves. And the Eagles are flying with two goals to whack, but beware of the bloods. We'll always fight. It's now or never as we head into the last. Now, after Wush's last chat, it's up to us to prevent the Spawns from going back to back. So we were never going to crack. Goodie's <laughs> first kick went straight through the stick and suddenly it was less than a kick. But we'll never give up. We're a team of brothers. Did you see Chick's mother? Then came the shepherd to create the hop. In comes Hunter. Bang. Goal. <laughs>
It's tough and it's tight. We're in for the fight. The swans are coming. They can do no wrong. And here's your moment, Steve Armstrong. But it wouldn't be for long for a wrong path he would take. But it wouldn't be as bad as a mistake he was about to make. Hang on, hang on. Him going to jail wasn't as bad as the mistake he made on Fred Pyle today. Tickled down the line, the ball went to him, he called it mine. He switched the play, the ball went astray, and thank goodness for RJ, who saved the day and the ball's out of bounds and wait for it. Siren sound. 84, 85, QF1. That shit, that's how we won. The cops went wrong, Leo Barry flies. Did you see Ash Sampy getting pulled from the side? Now the Prezos begin, there's a little bit of harm. The Adelaide boys are arm and arm. It's Futs and Bow and the Norm's read out. And Big Dean's been robbed two years in a row, but it's quickly forgotten when the cup's held aloft. And here comes Cuz, he's going to blow the roof off. 84, 85, QF1, flip that shit, that's how we won. Now, the years have gone, a few KG stacked on. We've got a little old, but only Judd Man's gone bald. The guy's in strife, but supported by his wife, you'll live a good life. And no matter what they say, they'll never take it away. So to the class of 06, we raise a toast, and let's hope by year's end, it's Premiership number four to West Coast. I think I have cancers from listening to that. <laughs> Or a ball on Grand Final Day because you will go to jail. <laughs> <laughs>